load versus capacity, right? And to some degree, you have to push your capacity a little bit to see progress, right? But when you push it further than your body is telling you not to, or you just go too heavy with your load and you go too fast, too you know, too much too soon, um, where the soft tissue or whatever can't handle that load, then that's when you get the breakdown sometimes. Welcome to Training Room Talk. Powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation, including rehab, performance, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. My name is Dr. Max LePage. I am here with Dr. Nisha Meyer. Hi, guys. Dr. John Herding. Hey, everyone. How are you? And future Dr. Hannah Lewis. Hey, guys. Um, and we're just going to talk a little bit about this concept that John and I were talking about the other day, just in casual conversation. And it's on the topic of kind of delineating or differentiating between being hurt versus being injured. So it's very common, and, and we see this all the time, especially when we're kind of just going through a screening process with some of the athletes in the facilities that we're in who maybe don't have a, a particular injury that they need PT for, or they're seeing PT for at the time. But then as soon as you start talking to an athlete and you're like, all right, so do you have a history of injury? It's typically a response of like, oh yeah, my left knee is bothers me from time to time. My right shoulder does this thing and my low back once in a while. Oh yeah, and my neck feels generally stiff and my right ankle hurts. And then you realize like, okay, most athletes most of the time are hurting to some degree, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are injured per se. Um, and that is like a distinction that I think is important to make. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about kind of some of the stuff that maybe we use to differentiate between when we think someone else is hurt versus injured, and then maybe some of our own experience with having some aches and pains related to training, but things that we don't necessarily feel compelled to necessarily address because we don't think that there's actually an injury going on. So, John, I know we had this conversation like a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was even last week, but uh, what are your initial thoughts on that topic? Um, yeah, thanks, Max. So I think, I mean, most of us work out regularly in here, and, and I could name three things in my body that are achy right now just from the the general activity levels and the load and all that kind of stuff and some you push capacity a little bit so you can see change in your fitness level um i think some of those minor aches and pains especially if you work out regularly like that's kind of like the body's like way of saying hey there's a little bit of smoke here before the fire fire would be the like the injury that might put you out um make sure you take um some time to do a little bit of self-care and and as um, athletes is people that work out on a regular basis I think it just becomes all right let me I don't have to stop what I'm doing but I do need to listen to my body and possibly um, take some time to do some of the recovery techniques or some of the self-care mobility things that you might neglect when you're rolling full steam ahead trying to chase um, progress in the gym right um, I think when people ignore those things and it just the you know the the embers, the smoke, and then the embers kind of build, and then the flame kind of becomes the injury. I think, um, you know, that just becomes a listen to your body and make sure you maybe take some time to take care of those things be before they become a bigger problem. And sometimes that can be your massage therapist, your chiropractor, your physical therapist, 
um, a, a professional or if you have just sometimes it's as easy as um, foam rolling using a massage gun and doing a couple of mobility drills it, you know so I, I think it's whatever way that you choose to take a step back or just spend a little bit of time on that smoke before it turns into something bigger I think that's where we need to if we're being responsible about it listen to our bodies yeah I mean I agree 100% I feel like we do have the advantage I'm pulling something up right now that I think might give some actionable kind of information for folks too but we do have the advantage as PTs it's like if something is bothering me I kind of know why you know where what caused it I know what some red flag signs and symptoms are and you know what is more serious than not uh, so I feel like we do have that advantage of being able to be you know confident that like hey my elbow or my knee is just bothering me because you know I <clears throat> didn't sleep well my recovery has been a little off my nutrition has been off or you know I pushed the frequency a little bit too high too quickly um, and that's why this is flaring up whereas if you don't have that background obviously those things can become a lot scarier because you're like well is this a knee injury is this something that's actually wrong in this area um, or is this just kind of like a warning sign of hey maybe you're you're pushing things a little bit too much um, I'm looking for right now what would be like a red flag screening tool that um, we've used a lot with um, folks who do go through like a screening process uh, just to give you some feedback on like what the typical questions that a PT might ask would be um, similar stuff I'm sure you guys ask in your evaluations um, but some of the stuff that I would even think of when I'm thinking of myself on something is injured um, typical signs and symptoms that would be associated with things that may be a little bit more serious this is coming from what's called the OSPRO um, it's a red flag screening tool that was developed that these 10 questions captured like 93 or 94% of you know more serious pathology in these 10 questions so I'll just read them off um, and then hopefully this doesn't you know send listeners into a panic because you say yes to a few of these questions it's totally normal to have some of these sensations it's just things that maybe warrant you know further uh, a further deep dive into with a, a PT or quali a qualified uh, medical health professional so these are the 10 things um, if you recently experienced any abnormal sensations that would be like numbness or tingling in an area uh, a change in headaches night pain stuff that wakes you up that you know you're having pain at night you wake up you can't get back to sleep you can't change position and just fall back asleep so it's like a serious type of night pain um, sustained morning stiffness for hours after you get up lightheadedness obviously a recent trauma like a motor vehicle accident or a major fall or, or something of that sort um, night sweats constipation uh, easy bruising or changes in vision like double vision or blurred vision those are the 10 kind of things that if you don't have those that at least gives you some kind of confidence that like hey what I'm experiencing maybe isn't particularly uh, injurious obviously you can have other injuries that don't involve those symptoms that you might need to look out for but that would be kind of the basis upon which I tend to like work from so let's see if there's any of these kind of major things going on um, you mentioned that you know maybe you have to listen to your body or pay attention what for you guys would be some things that when someone comes to you you're trying to figure out like is this them listening to their body and just feeling some pain or is 
or is there certain injury going on here? Like what are some of the questions or things that you consider when you're trying to make that distinction? Yeah, so I kind of see it as like a continuum. So if there's like minor aches and pains, I'm gonna dive into like the frequency, like how long has this been going on and how long does it kind of last on us? That will give me a good idea of, is this something that someone's able to kind of work through and with what acute little low back strain that will go away in five days on its own mobility drills um, and just like easing back into activity or is this something that like, this is, it keeps coming back on us maybe more of like a roller coaster of chronic low back pain a little bit more towards that injury, chronic injury on that continuum. So, so I, what, what would that mean though? So like chronic would be A little long? bit more long-term, something that's been, someone's been dealing with, I would say two to four weeks long, okay. acute anything before that like two week mark. Okay. And I think, yeah, that's another definition in my head is like injury doesn't just have to be like what happened on the field and you rolled your ankle. Like it can be something that you don't even see and it's been that air quotes chronic that's been going on for a long time from different stresses. It doesn't have to be just like an injury that you see right then and there. Um, so I'm asking people about frequency, intensity, how does it change and have you done anything to change it for better or worse? Like I really dive into like what modifications have you done or what things have you done? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about it before, it all becomes so like load versus capacity, right? And to some degree, you have to push your capacity a little bit to see progress, right? But when you push it further than your body is telling you not to, or you just go too heavy with your load and you go too fast, too you know, too much too soon, um, where the soft tissue or whatever can't handle that load, then that's when you get the breakdown sometimes. Um, so it's always this continuum, like you said, Nisha, and like. Um, seesaw of how can I push my capacity a little bit without pushing it too far so I can see the change that I want in fitness level. Yeah. And I feel like unfortunately when you, this, like you said, I mean the same way that you make progress from a hypertrophy standpoint, strength adaptations, all of the positive adaptations that you want to make are made by the same mechanism or the same way that you would cause an injury, right? Like you're trying to overload your tissues and your body just enough to get them to adapt to that, but just under the amount that it would take to cause an injury. Um, and unfortunately, there's not like a magic, you know, acute, people will use acute to chronic workload ratio to try to quantify like how much am I doing, how soon relative to my baseline, you know, workload that I have established. And that can be helpful as a kind of mental exercise to calculate that and to maybe track that to some degree. But the reality is like, if you are at a certain workload today, next week that workload might be a little higher relative to your capacity if you didn't sleep well or if you ate like shit or if you you know didn't drink enough water or whatever other factors would contribute to you maybe not having quite as much recovery capacity. Now that same workload is gonna be a little too much or vice versa, like, hey, you dialed in some of these other life factors, and now you could actually handle more volume and recover from more. And so it's tough because it's impossible to truly prevent anything from happening. It's just trying to like put as much, as many of the factors on your side in terms of supporting training. But I think a lot of times you are walking that line of you know, pushing performance and pushing adaptation to where things do kind of hurt. 
and you're just relying on maybe some of the other outside factors to clean that stuff up to some degree without you having to intervene too much outside of maybe just adjusting your your volume or your workload. I don't think if I was a PT, I would really like understand when is it important to air quotes rest ver- or back down activity versus like kind of push through test capacity and load in different ways. So how do you guys go about educating um, once you've like screened someone and trying to set that expectation, like say they don't want to back down activity or the reverse, they're scared to load. Yeah, I mean, it, it. that's a tough thing to try to do and it obviously depends very much on the person like someone comes in and they are a part of like a group fitness class right and what they're doing is not necessarily incredibly individualized they want to be with their community or it's a crossfit they don't want to modify they want their you know wad to be the same wad that is in the open or they want to be able to compare to their friends so they don't want to modify so there it can be tough or like a an in-season athlete who is just going through their strength conditioning workouts with their coach and there's not a ton of modification there, they may need to be kind of educated on things differently than someone who programs for their themselves. They Their workout routine is entirely them, their own creation and they're willing to kind of modify things. So I feel like I get a sense of how receptive the person is likely to be to discussing you know, those modifications in workload. Um, and how important I feel like that is given their current constraints. Like sometimes workload might not need to be modified a ton, right? And like you maybe just need to learn how to move or to address certain physical things that will allow the workload in that specific region to be reduced by kind of changing your mechanics or changing the physical qualities that you have available to you. Like an example would be, if someone maybe cleans up their deadlift or their hinge technique, maybe their load on the bar is the same, but the load on their lumbar spine structures or tissues that are irritated is less because they're shifting that load to other areas of their body. So if that's the circumstance, then maybe we don't even educate on that a ton and we don't have that conversation day one. Um, But honestly, there's times that I'll like pull out a whiteboard and draw like a draw a graph and have a dotted line be the threshold and explain like hey workload is below this threshold if you go above this threshold and above this dotted line that's where you can create some sensitivity or some inflammation and then you take time off you bring your workload down that sensitivity brings the dotted line down now you go back to doing what you were doing before and see you're already exceeding thing and i'll kind of like draw it out and provide a visual on that end that seems to be fairly effective, but I wouldn't go through all of that with someone who's like, yeah, well, I can't adjust my workload because it's my coach. And then you're just like, nah, well, I don't know why I explained all this because now I'm just, Thanks you know, for playing. Cre- yeah, well, that it's like you are creating maybe a disconnect between like, hey, you're saying things that I need to do that my coach doesn't want me to do. Which one of you do I not mm. believe? It's probably going to be you because I've known my coach longer. Mm. And that's. So it's a tough thing to educate on. I don't know how you go about it. Yeah, well, I think um, the progress that you're, all of the work you put into the gym, you're not seeing any gains or progress while you're working out in the gym. You're seeing it when you're recovering, right? You're pushing your body a little bit past what it's used to. And then where you're really seeing the progress is one, is at, you know, 
when you're recovering and resting, you work out for the opportunity to recover and, right. and see the progress, right? So I, I think a lot of um, a lot of people, and I understand sometimes there's like a mental component and like needing to move five, six, seven days a week, but you can a lot of times see the progress that you want in as little as like two or three days, right? And maybe you throw in like an active recovery day to push it to three or four days and you can see great progress in body composition, strength, all of that stuff without pushing capacity too, too much and just moving for the sake of moving, right? Yeah. Um, and I also think when you get into that coach discussion, that just needs to be, hopefully the coach is receptive to it, hopefully the um, patient's receptive to it. Um, but if not, like you could actually limit your progress by continuing on the path that the coach has laid out for you instead of taking a step back for a week or two, work on some mobility or tissue loading in a different way, and then you know continue on your path. Yeah. Um, and I think like it's okay and it's not you're coming off of your program, and we've talked about this before. It's let's just readjust to get you through this period, and you'll seamlessly, hopefully, roll right into your program without any loss of progress at all. Yeah. And when you compare, you know, taking two or three weeks of a reduced workload to the potential four to six months of having to work around a tendinopathy, like the two to three weeks really doesn't seem that bad in the grand scheme of things and is actually helping your performance in the long run just from not having to, to sideline, you, sideline you for too long. Um, but this reminds me of a question that I asked. So I was right when I started PT school at Jefferson, I was in the gym, obviously at Jefferson, and I had met um, a PT, shout out to Kyle Carlson. He's a former Jefferson ortho resident, uh, works at Strive near in Jersey somewhere. But he, uh, I had asked him in the gym because he was a third year, just so this was in July, third year about to take his boards and he was like completely done. Um, just basically graduating and taking his boards. And I asked him what, and I'll ask you guys the same thing and hear your insight. I was like, what is the thing that has changed the most in your own training after you've learned all of the kind of content and you know, academic side of PT and injury, like what have you applied in your own training? That's what I wanted to know. And now I'm asking you guys. Pre-PT school to post-PT school, how has your gym training changed, if at all, based on what you learned? More structured. I was the guy that would be like, oh, today I'm just gonna hit five rounds of five exercises 12 reps and exercise and just whatever I felt like that day I'd do like a push a pull upper body lower body and like a core and string it together in like a circuit and probably go as heavy as I could did you right? did you make it more structured because that produced better results from like a strength hypertrophy standpoint or more structured because of like an injury consideration no, I mean, I was, before PT school, I was a personal trainer a little bit, and I was just the guy, I like to crush myself every workout. Yeah. So I would just do, all right, what do I feel like doing today? And I would, you know, blow it out every time. It's and so fun, though. It's so fun. And <laughs> For how long? Yeah, but um, Once a month. <laughs> and, yeah, and even then, it was like, what can I do most? It was like CrossFit-ish, where like 45 minutes. I'm going to craft something that will take me about 45 minutes. I'm going to yeah. hit that as heavy as I can, five rounds. And um, then I got my metabolic conditioning. I got my strength training. I got, and I was in decent shape. 
but now it's just more structured. I'm also older I, and I don't want to crush myself every time. Um, but there's definitely days where you still, you, you get that, but it just, it shouldn't be every single time. I mean, Max, how, like you're coming from powerlifter bodybuilding world, how often do people PR? Oh, I mean, when I was like competing and really pushing numbers, I was testing my maxes twice a year. And we have people that come in the clinic saying they're hitting PRs every other week. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So when you're really in the sport of a structured program, maybe you're PRing at a meet, right? Yeah, that's all. And that's what you're planning to do. Yeah. Um, But if you're chasing PRs every couple of weeks, you know, to me, that's sometimes a recipe for disaster. So um, back to your question, like I just used to crush myself every workout, what I could do four days a week and now it's just definitely more structured and and to that point like even though i'm a pt and i could write a program i still have someone write it for me so that i can focus on you know back then i was doing things that i like to do and i was good at now it's someone else is making me do the things and holding me accountable that i don't want to things i don't want to do yeah what about you nisha yeah i would say similar to john because i have a crossfit background definitely a lot more like less is more for me and just like hounding down fundamental fundamentals and doing it really really well and then like quality movement so any day like i've really used rpe scales because one it just makes me feel better and just adjusting to how my body feels on the fly like i'm teaching group fitness now i'm on my feet all the time with this job and i just have to like give it to myself to not have to like meet expectations all the time and just however I feel is how I feel. So that's been pretty helpful. I do have someone else write my program for me too, because I feel like I'll be like more lax, like, oh, I don't really want to hit these, but since I'm writing it, I'll just put this other thing in here that I like. So that helps me have a little bit more um, control. And I think the only other thing is when I'm training and I actually feel like an ache and pain or a nag, like I got a hamstring tendinopathy from running, I get like more mad at myself because I know I should treat myself and like, go through the motions and do what's right. But I think it's harder when it's, yeah. you have to do it, so. What about you, Hannah? Anything that you've, I mean, you've been through all like the mm-hmm. academic course where you have a decent base of clinical ed. Do you do anything differently in your training now that you've learned all that stuff? Um, actually lift weight. <laughs> okay, so yes. you, you like introduced a new training modality kind of? I wouldn't say like, I've always used weights but I've always tried to limit it Mm. because of the fear of, you know, everything we talked about before. Yeah. Don't want my quads to look too big, but now I'm like, come on quads, let's go. (laughs) Once you realize it's insanely hard to grow your quads, you're just like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable trying to push some weight. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, that's good. I feel like that's a, a very good thing to have done now that you've learned more about the process. Well, plus it's fun and I like it. So why not? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I, whenever Kyle answered the question, he kind of, kind of like you guys, like kind of paused and was like, what did I change? And he said, honestly, the only thing I really feel like I changed significantly, like my, my expectation when I asked the question was like, oh, he's going to tell me about like this hip mobilization or this like drill that he did prior to squatting that he learned in school that now is making him squat so much better or he's gonna he's gonna give me like a technique or a tip or a trick and he was like honestly I think I probably just listen to my body more Mm. and just back off when I need to back off and I was like 
I remember thinking like that is all you've learned in your schooling process is that you need to like listen to your body and it's hilarious because I think I, my exam, my answer is exactly the same now that I've been through it and now that I'm working and practicing because I I all of my injuries or na- like nagging aches and pains come from that place of never listening like my former self would hate me now the fact that i'm only lifting four days a week my high school and college self would think that i'm like soft and i'm just a baby (laughs) like i would hate the fact that i only lift four days a week um and now i just realize like even on a week that i feel like i would need to lift three days a week because i'm just have so much going on that's one of the things that i think i've learned to do it's like, okay, I'm not going to sleep well this week. I'm going to have almost no hours to do anything. Like, it's okay if I miss one training session, knock it down to three, and then go back to four the following week. Because just the risk of, you know, potentially creating some nagging pain or re-aggravating some prior thing is probably a little bit higher just given all of these other stressors. And being comfortable with knocking it down to three, then going back to four, or just saying, hey, I'll still work out four times, but it'll be four 40-minute workouts instead of four 75-minute workouts or whatever the case may be. Like Making that adjustment has probably been the most important thing for me that I'm still trying to get used to doing. And, and that's a good realization that you had because now you're promoting health and longevity and lifting and working out, right? And you're not losing any progress by missing that lift. And you're right. maybe even expediting process or, or helping you through those those nights where you're not sleeping very well because maybe you're altering and getting a low capacity, you know, steady state cardio day in there or something. Yeah, and I saw this when my when I competed in bodybuilding, so obviously I was like very low calories, losing a ton of body weight over the course of the prep. I mean it was a thirty two week prep. And I had even like done a 10 week kind of mini cut before the prep. And so really it was like a 42 week um, contest prep. And I went from about 202, my lowest body, my lowest weigh-in completely carb depleted was 150.8. So I lost 50 pounds in that prep. And there was a point in time and I did not train less than six days a week a single time in 42 weeks. And there was a point in time where I legitimately had an upper respiratory infection for about eight weeks. Like, no joke, I was just sick, runny nose, run down for eight weeks straight. I went two or three courses of antibiotics, did not miss a single training session. Like, it was, all I had to do was keep my calories the same, like maybe bump them up a little bit, take a week off completely, recover, and then get back to it and probably would have been better off than spending eight weeks training with an upper respiratory infection on low calories, six days a week, cardio five of those. Like it was just ridiculous. And that's the mindset that led me to having a bunch of injuries. But it's the same thing. You just get so focused on the progress that you want to make in the next three to four weeks that you can't zoom out and see the full year, the full like macro cycle of it all and say like hey this week is not going to do literally anything other than something potentially positive for setting up the rest of my year to be more productive but yeah i was a maniac i just did not 
I did not want to do it. No days I would off. have not wanted to live with you during <laughs> that time. Proud of you and your progress. Yeah. Talk to Marissa and she'll way. tell you some stories. Oh. It's just, I was not a nice person. I was nice, but I, I was just hungry. Twenty. I mean, it's literally hunger 24-7 to the point that like you can't sleep because you're so hungry at night. I would never do that to myself. Not at all. I mean, yeah. It, That's willpower. At the same time, that was the first... That was the semester that I did that in college, which was two semesters, but it was really the second semester that I was in it that was obviously way harder because it was the tail end of the prep. That was the best grades I had ever gotten as a student my entire life was that semester because I was just like, had to be so dialed in with time management that like I couldn't afford to waste time because I just had to, like what was previously a 60 minute training session took me two hours to get through just because I was so exhausted. I was taking like 15 minutes between sets. Like it was ridiculous. And yeah, it got to a point where I had to be so dialed in time management wise that it was a huge benefit. Like it taught me a lot about myself just through the struggle of it. But it was by no means designed to be fun. You need to write a memoir. memoir. (laughs) I don't know if I'm that interesting. (laughs) Give him a couple years. Yeah. Uh, I don't have hair now, so that's... That's maybe telling of the process, but um, cool. So hopefully you guys all got some insight from that. I think obviously the the main takeaway when you're thinking of hurt versus injured is keep an eye on some of those kind of red flag things, some of those considerations and questions you might want to ask yourself that I mentioned early on. Other than that, again, like Nisha mentioned, if it's kind of something that's lingering more than just a couple of weeks, then you may start to consider you know, exploring other options. And apart from that, listening to your body, allowing yourself to maybe step away, you know, reduce the training volume, reduce the total workload, see if those things kind of clear up just as a result of that. And then you know whether or not this is really something that you need to be, you know, a little bit more ahead of the curve on in terms of whether it's an injury or if it's just maybe some hurt that's associated with pushing the, the envelope a little bit. So hopefully you guys got some actionable information from that. Uh, again, like always, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy. And we will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks. Did you know we now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals? If you're interested in any one of these, please email John at J-O-N at precisionperformancept.com and he can help you get started today.